0: Good evening. The United States moves troops closer to Russia's borders as U.S. politicians circle the wagons. What should the left do about Ukraine? And the mayor appoints his economic team. What are the developers eyeing under Adams? With these and other stories, I'm Paul Durianzo with the WBAI News for Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. Ukraine declared a state of emergency today, and Moscow said separatists in the East had asked for help to repel aggression as the United States stepped up efforts to deter an all out invasion by imposing fresh sanctions. Reuters news agency reports convoys of military equipment, including nine tanks, moved towards Ukraine's eastern Donetsk from the direction of the Russian border as shelling intensified. But there was still no clear indication of whether Putin will launch a mass assault on Ukraine with the tens of thousands of the troops he's gathered near the border. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres accused Russia of violating the World Bodies Charter.
1: We meet in the face of the most serious global peace and security crisis in recent years, and certainly in my time as Secretary General. Our world is facing a moment of peril. I truly hoped it would not come. The latest developments regarding Ukraine are a cause of grave concern, and they include reports of increased ceasefire violations across the contact line and the real risk of further escalation on the ground. My thoughts are with all those who have already suffered so much deaths, destruction, and displacement. The decision of the Russian Federation to recognize the so-called independence of the Donetsk and Luansk regions and the follow-up are violations of the territorial integrity and sovereignty of Ukraine and inconsistent with the principles of the Charter of the United Nations.
0: Antonio Guterres, in Washington, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi likened Putin's moves to World War II when Germany seized parts of Czechoslovakia using the excuse that most of its inhabitants were ethnic Germans.
2: It's about how the world views what Putin is doing. This is a very evil move on the part of Vladimir Putin. He's a KGB guy who happens to be probably the richest man in the world because of his exploitation of his own people that he doesn't want them to know about. And uses excuses like uh, it's changed. Every time you hear them say, "Well, uh, they're part of us. That's who we are. They should be us." Now they're saying, "Well, we have to go in because they want to be part of of NATO." This, my friends, is our moment. This is a Sudan land. And that's what people were saying there. You cannot ignore what Putin is doing, and nobody's, of course, ignoring it. But you cannot take it any lighter than what it is, a total assault on democracy.
0: Nancy Pelosi. It was a sentiment echoed by South Carolina Republican Lindsey Graham and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell.
3: 1930s all over again. What Putin did yesterday was tear up an agreement made 25 years ago. That's exactly what Hitler did in the 30s. And the response to Hitler was one appeasement after another. Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, very small nations, very proud democracies being threatened every day by Russia, I would be worried. Putin needs to learn
4: out of this incident that he can't stop, start grabbing pieces of other countries in order to rebuild uh, what he would like to rebuild is something similar to the old Soviet Union. If I were the Baltic states This is an invasion, some discussion about what's the definition of an invasion, this is an invasion. Number two, this should prompt immediate implementation of the toughest possible sanctions.
0: And that's South Carolina Republican Lindsey Graham and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. The Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe reports the following military action in eastern Ukraine. In Donetsk region, they recorded 528 ceasefire violations, including 345 explosions. In the previous reporting period, it recorded 703 ceasefire violations in the region. In Luhansk region, the mission recorded 1,182 ceasefire violations, including 1,075 explosions. In the previous reporting period, it recorded 1,224 ceasefire violations in the region. Meanwhile, at the Pentagon, spokesperson John Kirby announced U.S. troops. Troops already in Europe were moving east.
3: At his direction, Secretary Austin ordered the additional movement of some U.S. forces that were currently stationed in Europe to continue our support for NATO allies and the defense of the Eastern Flank. Uh, these forces, comprised of aviation element and some ground forces, will move within inside the European uh, area of operations uh, to NATO's northeastern and southeastern flanks in the coming days, and we expect them to be in place later this week. Uh, They include an infantry battalion task force of approximately 800 personnel that will be moving from Italy to the Baltic region. Uh, It's a movement of up to eight F-35 strike fighters from Germany to several operating locations along the eastern flank. A battalion of attack aviation, specifically 20 AH AH-64 helicopters from Germany, again to the Baltic region, and an attack aviation task force, which is 12 AH AH-64 helicopters, will move from Greece to Poland. And that's John Kirby. In unrelated military
0: news, hordes of protesters are expected to descend on Washington as part of a protest similar to truckers who blocked the U.S.-Canada border and choked traffic in Ottawa in anti-lockdown and vaccination protests earlier this month. A caravan of far right-wing truckers is heading to the nation's capital – billed as a grassroots nonpartisan event intended to oppose government COVID-19 mandates. Many of those behind the demonstration, which was planned as an American version of the chaotic Canadian protests, have connections to the violent attack on the Capitol in January of 2021. And John Kirby says the military has approved National Guard troops just in case.
3: The secretary did approve a couple of requests for National Guard support here in the capital region. He approved that request yesterday. Those requests came from uh, the D.C. government, um, uh, their emergency management agency, as well as the U.S. Capitol Police. All told, among the two requests, it's about 700 guards personnel and about 50 vehicles. Uh, They are designed for traffic support uh, in anticipation of uh, potential uh, challenges to traffic here in the D.C. area uh, surrounding um, some, uh, some potential protest activity. And that is the Pentagon speaking earlier
0: today. As the crisis in Ukraine spirals, progressives are wrangling with how to confront the threat. A spokesperson for the Revolutionary Communist Party is Carl Dix. He says activists should welcome setbacks to their own country.
5: What's happening around the Ukraine is being driven by rival imperialist powers, scrapping for advantage. Russia trying to regain part of what was in its sphere of influence, what it dominated, The U.S. having pushed to that and wanting to keep their hold there. And listening to the U.S. complain about the 170,000 troops or so that Russia has around the Ukraine kind of poses the question about what about the 170,000 troops that the U.S. led into Iraq? to invade that country looking for weapons of mass destruction that the U.S. rulers knew weren't there. So let's just be clear on that. And then listening to Putin talk about countries that he's going to re-involve and re-roll up into his empire calls to mind the U.S. having come into existence by taking the indigenous people's land and going around the world and doing the same and talking about its Monroe doctrine where no one can come into their neighborhood. These are two imperialists going against each other. People should not get behind their imperialist power. People in this country should not get drawn into We are going to fight for this because this is not being done up in the interest of the Ukrainian people. It's in the interest of the U.S. global imperialist empire. And that's what they're trying to get you behind. And that's what we say people need to see. People need to see the imperialist interest in this and understand that those imperialist interests are not theirs.
0: It hasn't been lost on anybody, including today in the White House and in the Kremlin, that a lot of these borders were drawn during the days of the Soviet Union when it was still a revolutionary force. It was Lenin himself who declared that Ukraine should have some autonomy as part of his Jeffersonian desire for freedom.
5: Yes, it was the policy of the Bolshevik party that led the Russian Revolution that oppressed nations should have self-determination. That's the Ukraine actually comes onto the global map in that period as a Soviet Socialist Republic. That's something that people should take note of because that is the way things should be going, but that's not how they're happening because that's not what dominates the world today. What dominates the world today are imperialists who are struggling to divide and redivide the spoils of the empire. And in this case, the people of Ukraine happen to live right between two rival imperialist powers, each of which is maneuvering and struggling for its its interests, And that's what's driving this war that has started.
0: And that's Carl Dix, a spokesperson for the Revolutionary Communist Party. The author of the book, The Spoils of War, Power, Profit and the American War Machine, is Andrew Coburn. He says the only group that stands to profit from the crisis in Ukraine are military contractors.
4: Ukrainians don't take the threat that seriously. I'm not sure why we should. Why do you think we are? It's sort of a feeding frenzy. I think they want Putin to back down. It's become a. I'm not quite sure how they got themselves in this fix. The problem with all these great big sanctions they have ready is it's not like sanctioning some little country or Burma or Cuba, which we do since the dawn of time. Sanctioning Russia is like sanctioning ourselves. It usually puts Europe into an energy crisis because Europeans depend on Russian gas for 40% of their gas. So, if they cut off financial transactions with Russia, it means that the you no know, German bank could process payments to Russia for the gas, for example. An enormous amount of wheat comes out of Russia. A lot of it goes to feed, for example, Egypt. So if you cut off Russian exports of wheat or make it impossible to, for the financial transactions associated with that, then the price of bread goes up in Egypt and there are tremendous riots. Boeing Corporation depends for a lot of its titanium from Russia. Cut that off. What happens to aircraft production here? It's a very tricky position that Biden's in. They've got themselves into this fix by moving to or encouraging ukraine coming into nato and now this which i'm sure they'd wish wasn't happening who's benefiting from all of this Follow the money man you know uh, raytheon corporation i've been in recent weeks or last few weeks the lockheed and raytheon ceos in earnings calls to investors have spoken very bullishly about how beneficial all this situation is for their bottom line so of course arms shipments to Ukraine, but I mean, they're talking seriously now about an $800 billion defense budget for 23. Of course, the military industrial complex, the arms industry, they're benefiting and are going to benefit big time. Whether nothing happens at all in Ukraine from now on. No, you just need good prices to kickstart the process, and then it's unstoppable. I I can remind people of what I heard years ago, that two days after Putin took over Crimea, A friend of mine was at a meeting, a breakfast meeting for a congressman in Washington. And most of the people there, not my friend, but most of the people there were defense industry lobbyists. And I asked him afterwards, I said, what was the mood like? And he said, I call it borderline euphoric. And they were so happy about what was going on. That's most obviously who's benefiting. They
0: have so many more of those cheaper missiles than we have high-tech counter-missiles to shoot them down with. Despite our eight hundred billion dollar budget, that they could probably get past our defenses and sink the ships.
4: Yeah, on the one, see what they're saying. Well, on the one hand, they're a terrible threat. On the other hand, our stuff is better because it's so much newer and shinier, more expensive. But still, it's a threat, so we need more money to have more. Ships with anti-ship missiles, kind of hard to stop them. What does this say for the American progressives? <laughs> it, it's confusion. you have to take sides you know, and say you have to be for Ukraine or for Putin? I don't want to be either. I don't see why we have to be. But, but I think we should really look. People have to be aware of the origins of the present crisis which are unquestionably the push to expand NATO. Putin, not that I think I have any affection for him, but, I mean, he's right about that. This has been pushed for years, and the Russians have been resisting for years. I mean, this is entirely predictable, what has happened. We have to deal with the problem. The problem is here, I'd say, at home, where our leadership, the blob, the national security blob in Washington, which, all the military-industrial complex, one or other, comes to much the same thing, have been... Since 1991, or certainly since the early moves to expand NATO in, uh, under Clinton, been pushing this, and the reaction of the Russians is entirely predictable. I resist any effort to say that Putin and Putin's regime are angels of light and democracy, which they're obviously not. It's just, why is it we felt this overwhelming need to reignite the Cold War, which has now been successfully accomplished?
0: And that's Andrew Coburn. He's the author of Spoils of War, Power Profit and the American War Machine. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DeRienzo. In local news, Mayor Adams dismissed criticisms today over his decision to tap two Christian pastors with history of anti gay views for senior roles in his administration, declaring that the controversial hires are what's best for the city. Adams, who's come under fire from the LGBTQ community in recent days, made the sweeping defense of his appointments of Fernando Cabrera and Eric Salgado after being asked during a press conference which gay leaders he spoke with and what he told them before announcing his picks. Adams Adam said, I stated, I respect your thoughts, but I'm going to do what's best for the city of New York. And so did I reach everyone in the city that is a member of the LGBT community? No, I did not. But I've met with and communicated with several of the leaders in the community. Adams told reporters in Brooklyn, adding that former – Council Speaker Corey Johnson was among the LGBTQ lawmakers he consulted. Cabrera, a former Bronx councilman and pastor, once praised Uganda's government for its hardline ban on same-sex marriage. He was appointed by Matt Adams on Monday as a senior advisor in his newly formed Office of Faith-Based and Community Partnerships. Salgado, a Brooklyn pastor and one-time mayoral candidate who also has a long history of anti-gay rhetoric, was picked last week as an assistant commissioner of immigrant affairs at... Today's press conference, Adams noted that both Cabrera and Salgado apologized in written statements for their past remarks. And in related news... Eric Adams today unveiled multiple new members of his economic development team at the Brooklyn Navy Yard. The team, which will be led by Deputy Mayor for Economic and Workforce Development, Maria Torres Springer, includes several new appointments as well as a handful of previously announced appointments. Collectively, they will be focused on building what he says is an equitable recovery across all sectors of the city's economy, bringing New York City back following COVID-19.
6: That's why I don't believe there's a more fitting place uh, to roll out this amazing team under uh, Deputy Mayor Maria Torres Springer as we talk about the recovery for our city. And when you look at the recovery, just as when we went into COVID, uh, the inequalities existed, and we are going to make darn sure when we come out, those inequalities do not continue to exist. This was called the Can Do Shipyard. It was a place where we knew we can get it done. Those war times are here as we go through our recovery period. And that's the battle that we must win. Uh, we responded immediately uh, to the call of duty like we've done so so many times before. And so today, we are happy to announce a, an impressive team of leaders that are part of our desire to build out our economy and our future in an equitable fashion. And in the days to come, we're going to roll out our real economic plan that's going to touch every aspect of our economy in general, but specifically for those who have been left behind for far too long to be prepared for employment.
0: And that was the mayor earlier today. And Deputy Mayor Maria Torres Springer had this to say.
7: This is a blue collar administration led by a blue collar mayor. And as the Deputy Mayor for Economic and Workforce Development, I spend every day fighting to build a recovery for all New Yorkers. That means accelerating this recovery as fast as we possibly can and getting our people back to work, especially in the industries that have been most hard hit by COVID. But as this team will tell you, we are not just chasing a return to normal. We're New Yorkers. We don't stop at good enough. As we come out of COVID, we will make this city a place where everyone shares in our prosperity, where every family has the opportunity, the security, the dignity they deserve, where every neighborhood, especially communities of color that have too often been left behind can flourish, where we create jobs of the future, Right here, places like the Navy Yard, jobs in advanced manufacturing, life sciences, clean energy, and more. We can set our city on a new path. All of that is possible with this team and with New Yorkers. Because we have the vision, we have the expertise, we have the abiding love for all of our neighborhoods. And we have the drive to as the mayor's charges every day to get stuff done.
0: Maria Torres Springer, in a controversial, a more controversial choice, or potentially more controversial choice, uh, the mayor, uh, rehired the president or hired the president and CEO of the trust for governor's Island, Claire Newman. Uh, He said, we'll build on the remarkable transformation of the Island as a world class public space with a focus on ensuring all New Yorkers can enjoy the cultural programmatic and natural treasures the Island has to offer. Well, uh, a group calling themselves the Metro area governor's Island coalition or magic, uh, took issue with that or has taken issue with that claim by filing a lawsuit against rezoning that it's allowed the, uh, uh, planned reconstruction of governor's island into a high rise location governor's island the original place where settlers landed in uh, what was then new amsterdam uh, has been a place where you can go and and bicycle and just have a good time and enjoy nature in the city that's not been enough for the developers who want to put a um, uh, large-scale development on the site of the island. We'll be talking more about that and we have in this news in the past. But uh, let's uh, hear from the mayor and how he has uh, uh, given support uh, to this appointee and his uh, ideas for what should happen to Governor's Island.
6: The appointment of President and CEO of the Trust for Governor's Island, uh, Claire Newman. Uh, my conversation with her, a clear visionary on what Governor's Island should look like. An island that has sat for far too long, uh, untamed and undiscovered. We're going to redeploy our energies and our vision to see how that becomes part of not only the five boroughs, but to bring in tourism throughout our entire region.
0: The opponents say the issue here is uh, what Governor's Island will be and a replaceable – what they call an irreplaceable, one-of-a-kind green urban refuge with historic arts, environmental and educational space that essentially functions as a park even in areas with buildings – or another built over privately occupied high-rise urban district with value added landscaping. The deed defines Governor's Island they claim as the former and the rezoning is in violation they claim in their lawsuit. We'll be hearing more on that story later in the news and these newscasts. And that's some of the news for tonight. And you've been listening to the WBAI News for Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. The news producer, Linda Perry, our engineer Reggie Johnson from New York City. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening.